welcome back indeed. Episode number 52, Raswell Fantasy Basketball Podcast Sun Edition. Always joined by the illustrious Joel. What's going on, Joel? How you doing, so it's good to be with you after all our tech issues here. Yeah, we uh, we had some uh, microphone, oh, on my end, microphone issues. Joe said uh, I sounded like a pilot, so uh, um, that was kind of cool. I got to, uh, you know, role play, I guess, today. So that, that, that that's how my day is going. Um, before I get into stuff, I want to take care of some business and then also kind of give you a shout out. Uh, you wrote a good... Uh, piece on the Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young, John Collins, and kind of like, you know, going over uh, the Hawks in general. So everybody, you know, go to the site, Razzball, uh, check out Mr. Hooper's article, uh, came out on Monday. So I, I, I think you guys will enjoy that. Um, I want to give a shout out to Thrive Fantasy. Uh, they are a sponsor. So uh, before we get started, let me, let me give them a shout out and give them a plug. Uh, come up, prop up on uh, Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. With Thrive, you can illuminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 out of 20 available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. You hit the most props, rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has over $100,000 guaranteed in prizes for the opening nights of the NBA season. Use promo code RASBALL when you sign up today and you will receive a 100% instant first deposit match up to $100. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today, baby. All right, Joel. What's going on, man? Thank you for, uh, for plugging that Hawks piece. Mostly I'm... I'm just trying to figure out what the hell is happening to John Collins. I think I might have gotten a little bit closer to the truth uh, in doing that digging, but uh, no, I mean, doing good. We're, we're surviving up here as winter sets in in Milwaukee. Yeah, no, good to hear. Um, you know, we were kind of discussing that offline. Um, I did notice, like, um, I was looking back at John Collins' and stuff, because coming into the season, I was like, you know, like, you know, how is DeJounte Murray impacting it, you know, affect him and like, what's his role? And, you know, we were kind of discussing it too, in terms of how they've always wanted to trade him. And, you know, I was looking at, you know, interesting, like the past few seasons, like early on in the season, he's, they're giving him a lot of run and he's getting a lot of minutes. And then slowly as the season progresses, the playing time dissipates. And um, I thought this year would actually be better for him because uh, you know, he's not really a guy that you just kind of throw the ball to and just like, yo, go get a bucket, right? And I think last year, if you look at like most of his shot attempts, they, like uh, he had a huge, uh, the percentage of assisted buckets uh, was really, really high for, for Collins. So I thought having both DeJounte and Trey would actually help him, right? Because he would, you know, they would set him up more for open looks, but um, you know, it, I don't know. It doesn't seem like the case, but yeah, you, I, yeah. I appreciated how you dug into, you know, into Collins. And I think there was a lot of good information in there. Um, good food for thought. So, yeah, no, w- well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, the, the whole thing with the Hawks is weird. They're, you know, digging into, like, where their shots come from and, w- and what they do was really interesting because they they're taking the wrong shots, you know, and, and having Murray there has not solved that problem. They're dead last, each shooting threes. 
they shoot the most mid-range. They're sort of in the middle of the rim, um, rim attempts across the league. It's just not it's not a very like healthy diet to be having productive offense, despite like and despite that, they're 13th in adjusted overall uh, offensive rating. So you know, like they've got the talent to make this work. They just beat the Bucks last night, so like yeah. some things are working. But uh, definitely, they beat the Bucks twice this, this year already. That's really yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Um, yeah. All right. So everyone, go check out that piece. Uh, you know, is uh, I enjoyed reading it, so I think you guys will too. Um, as is customary with the pod, you know, just I didn't dig too much into the stats for this week, uh, but there were just a few things that kind of um, stuck out to me. Uh, OKC, number one in pace now. Uh, the Knicks, eighth in pace, which is very interesting for a Tom Thibodeau team. I'm not sure how um, how sustainable that is, but, you know, we'll see. It's kind of interesting. Uh, Indy, seventh in offense rating, first in assist percentage. Um, the, you know, they're, I think, top 10 or bottom 10. I don't know however you look at it. Worst, they're in the bottom percentile, uh, 10% or... Bottom 10 of turnovers, meaning that they turn the ball over at, you know, the 10th most rate. So that's not good. Chicago, 7th in defensive rating, which kind of surprised me a little bit. But I guess when I thought about it, you know, Caruso, Patrick Williams, and, um, you know, I guess they're playing a little bit better on that end. So that's good. Bobby Portis, your boy, Joel. He's tied for the lead. Yeah, he's tied for the lead in dub-dubs. So there there you go. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, he's tied for second. And so he's the only guard uh, among the top 18 in dub-dubs. So that's pretty interesting. And then uh, Milwaukee, right? They lost two to the Hawks recently. Uh, they have three losses on the season. And then their other loss is San Antonio. So go figure, right? You know, they're they're bringing their best stuff against the uh, top-tier opponents here. Uh, it's crazy, crazy. All right, let's dive right into it. Uh first topic of conversation that we had written down, Jalen Smith. And, you know, we both <laughs> we both actually uh, wanted to talk about him this week. So I, I'm interested to, to hear your thoughts on him. For me, the reason why I put him down was, um, it's, I guess, kind of more for the process of projecting and evaluating him coming into the season uh, and I guess kind of where he's at right now. So he's been very inconsistent, both playing time and production wise. And so that just got me thinking into like, you know, right. So, you know, the Suns drafted him. They used the overall number 10 pick on him. And, you know, they were willing to get rid of him. Right. And I remember at the time, my thinking was like, okay, you know, maybe they just don't have the time to, or they don't want, because they're in win now mode with Chris Paul. Uh, they don't want a developmental project, so you know they, you know, um, we don't have time for this basically, and so that was my thinking there. And in a way, I guess that type of perspective is probably more glasses half full, right? Because you're. So I was looking at more of the positives, like I was just like kind of dismissing the negatives and the red flags, and just kind of focusing on well, the situation wasn't right for him, right? But now looking back on it, I'm like, well. Maybe I was looking at it the wrong way, right? Maybe it should have been like, yo, the Sun spent high draft capital on this guy. And yes, granted, the situation is they're more win now more. But I mean, if they really saw something in him, 
they wouldn't just trade him away for Tory Craig, right? Like they would, they would exert a little bit more patience, right? So then I was like, yeah, if these guys are willing to get rid of him, and you know they're not willing to spend the resources and and the time to, to kind of develop him, then what does that say? So that should have kind of brought up some red flags. Um, so yeah, just thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, I should have focused on both aspects of it, like both perspectives, and I think that maybe would have. Uh, steered me away from him because, I mean, he was hyped up big time, right? Because everyone was like, yeah. and, you know, I was focused on it. Like, oh, you know, he went to Indiana, he played, they gave him, they announced him as a power forward early on in the season. And, you know, like, it's all going to be good. And, you know, last week's pod, we were kind of touching on, like, you know, kind of overvaluing uh, the unknown and the upside, you know, rather than, you know, kind of seeing taking in the information and seeing the information for what it is, right? So I think sometimes, you know, we, we choose to focus on certain things and certain stats or whatnot, or certain, you know, and we dismiss other things, which in the grand scheme of things, it's not a, a beneficial thing for kind of like trying to project and, and, and things like that. So uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. You know, it's obviously really disappointing. Um to your to your initial idea or your initial line of thinking about you know the Suns sort of not uh, not valuing him or moving away from him, it's interesting. You know he was a top ten pick, but the Suns like over the last I don't even know how long um, just really haven't valued their draft picks very highly at all. It's a thing that they they frequently trade out of, um, and so you know I feel like the fact that they spent a top ten pick on him. Kind of cuts both ways. It's like they liked him enough not to trade the pick, um, but they didn't like him so much, or he didn't fit their timeline well enough um, for them to, to integrate him at all. Because during those first two years in Phoenix, like he just barely played. You know, he was getting one um, six minutes a game that first season. Jumped up to eighteen in the second um, before they moved him. Like it just it, they never really gave him a shot. And yeah, like, you know, it was, it was one of those guys that, that sort of took the bait on him, um, seeing the role that was available to him in Indiana, you figured there'd be a lot of opportunity. And I think that there still is, um, you know, just anytime that there's like a big drop off in production, um, I look at where the shots are coming from. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm seeing from, from Smith here is that he's he's been given the opportunity to shoot more threes in Indiana, and I think that's actually bad for him. Um, you know, he's a he's a career 31% shooter from deep. Um, he's shooting four over four threes per game now. Um, he barely shot that much in Phoenix when he was there. Um, so his, his overall field goal percentage is down. He's shooting less at the rim and more from three, and it's it's kind of backfiring. Um, I mean, that's something that's going to be corrected over the course of the year or what. But he, you know, it, it's definitely not it's not to anyone's advantage to have him, you know, bombing as often as he is. No, I, I I hear you. The the thing is is yeah, I don't know. I mean, he is a stretch four or stretch, you know, big. Um, he doesn't really have a, a you know, a developed post game, 
right? So then what do you do with them? <laughs> right? I mean, you put them in the dunker spot? I mean, you know, it's, it's I mean, kind of awkward, shoots right? his way out. Oops. Yeah, I just, just, just run and gun. Um, yeah, are you, are you, are you completely down on him? Sorry, I was talking to him. No, no, you're good. What, what, what were you saying? He's taking the right threes, at least. Like, 49% of his three point attempts are in the corner. Um, yeah. He's shooting 29% on them. So, like, maybe there's some positive regression coming because uh, he's shooting the short ones. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's not the, yeah, the ideal start for the guy that we both took in the sixth round, you know? Indeed. Indeed. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't drop him, but, uh, you know, I, I definitely, you know, there is still, you know, potential, right? There's still upside. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I just think, you know, it's like the process, the off season process evaluation and, and projection. Um, I guess now that, you know, obviously hindsight is 2020, but now looking upon it, you know, um, I think it could have been better. Right. And, and if, and if it was better, you know, thinking about it now, I mean, I probably would have shied away from them. Right. And, and I think that's like been a common thing over the last like two or three pods that we've done, Joel. Like, cause we've looked at, you know, a lot of younger players and, um, you know, we've kind of been talking about like, well, you know, sometimes we get so enamored with the allure of the unknown or the allure of the upside. Um, sure. whereas, you know, there's guys sitting right in our face that, you know, have done it, have have shown it, and we kind of dismiss them to some degree. Whereas, uh, those are like the guys that have more breakout potential, actually, that have more upside, right? Uh, so I think, you know, yeah, in terms of my process, like I, I definitely need to hammer that in more. I think because, uh, you know, I, it's just human nature, right? Natural, right? Like just dudes get hyped up and you know like everyone starts talking about them and then you start looking and you're like yeah 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 uh, true true that makes sense i agree with it blah blah and then you start dismissing you know other red flags that are there and um so yeah for me yeah that's yeah that's uh i i definitely have to iron that out that that part of my game so i'm still not listening to rack that's what it sounds like what what's that <laughs> We're still not listening to Ratko, you know, this is, yeah, that is yeah. the real method is where you take the proven commodity, you for don't sure. reach for uh, the upside. Uh, there's no more valuable player than someone like uh, Drew Holiday, who's just like 1.6 steals every year for seven straight years, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. And, you know, there's a reason, right? There's a reason why Racco's the GOAT, right? Why he's winning all the things. Oh, speaking of Racco, um, and speaking, it kind of correlates to your piece, right? Um, you know, Racco had some good things to say about your piece, right? And so that's kind of a reflection of you. So that's another reason why everyone should go read, uh, Joel's piece on the Hawks. I mean, it's, it's been certified by, by Racco, right? You got his stamp of approval. So, um, and you know, Racco Jake is Racco is a <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like what I've been because like, you know, it's just to me it's just so 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 interesting, like when I try to kind of combine and meld 
uh, the things that Rako does and the thing that like Wong and Jeneki do, you know, and it's just so interesting to me because they're so different, but yet they're, you know, they're all so successful in what they do, you know? Um, and yeah, I don't, I mean, so, so, uh, sorry to kind of veer off, you know, topic here, but, um, you know, I'm in a main event with Wong and usually, you know, like when I talk to him, he's, he's like, no, dude, stop trying to pin me in a box. Like I have no style, right? I just, right. Like my style is winning. Like that, that's basically his answer. Right. But, you know, I do know that like he likes to, him and Jeneki like to hunt more for, um, upside, you know, breakouts, you know, guys that like will, um, surpass their ADP by a few rounds. Right. So they're always on the, you know, those type of lookouts, but looking at, uh, him working the fab, the waiver wire, man, it's been, it, it, I mean, it's been really, really good, like really illuminating. And, and you know, cause you know, he, he's picking up, I think he picked up Max Struess first week. Right. I mean, guys, it's a, that's basically a Rocco guy, right? He's going to play 30 minutes, right. Yeah. Um, you know, score points, get some threes. And then, uh, you know, this past week, he picked up Jeremy Sohan, you know, Spurs five-game week, right? He's playing 30 minutes and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's like, I guess that's where he blends in the Rackle, right? Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. I I haven't got that, that, that sweet spot, I guess, that melting point where, you know, I'm able to, I don't know if I ever will be, but, you know, I'll try it. But to try to kind of meld, you know, the... You know, scooping up the Royce O'Neills, but at, yet at the same time, you know, hitting on those, you know, like the De'Aaron Foxes or the Desmond Baines of the world, you know, or even if you go lower, possibly like Kaminga or something like that, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, sorry about that tangent, man. It just kind of just veered off into into my mind. I think I'm discombobulated here because, um. You know, we're Skyping, but I'm not able to see your voice so or see your face. So um, my, my mind doesn't know how to process this. It's a... Uh, so, ah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for the emoji it's smiles. Emoji. But we're, we're in uncharted territory here. But um, Well, because I'm trying to do the... I'm trying to do the, the good, like, um, audio thing of, like, not talking over you. And so I'm just nodding my head while you're speaking. It's it's just oblivion over here, according to to what the screen looks like. So, um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry still, about that. I I definitely rambled there. So, uh, yeah, I apologize. No, okay. um, yeah, I, yeah, I obviously haven't got this figured out yet either. And I really like, you know, this was not something that we were planning on necessarily talking about this week. I thought we might wait a little bit longer with a little bit more data, but like things are not going very well with a lot of my teams at the moment. Yeah, I have uh, a lot of shitty teams too. And it's, you know, look at my Raz Jam team, and it really is, um, you know, I took a lot of gambles on these young forwards, and they just haven't really been great. You know, Barnes has taken a step back a little bit. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to write about him yeah. for next Monday. Um, Ron Wagner has been sort of up and down. There have been some really good games and some kind of stinky ones. Yeah. Uh, Kelton Johnson, you know, the usage is there sometimes, but the Spurs are kind of playing around with his time and the shooting percentage can get 
pretty rocky. Um, you know, I took those those three guys um, and really was I needed a lot from and Jalen Smith is the fourth. Yeah, and I, you know, pairing them with these these four good guards or these three good guards and Rudy Gobert, I thought like, wow, all I need to do is get these forwards squared away, and I'll be money because I spent my first four picks elsewhere, and none of them have really like blown away their ADP. Some of them straight up missed it. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of work yet to be done here you know it's it's still i keep on self-soothing and saying that it's still early but like yeah. we're getting a little late now for still early yeah yeah no no i hear you i mean i have some really shitty teams um but like you know my Razjam team remember i thought like i really like this team a lot um you know i've had some injuries and like just looking at my squad i'm like yo it's you know it's all right you know i mean lillard halliburton Rozier, Zubach, Simons. I got John Collins on this team. Uh, Kate Cunningham. So, you know, obviously I've had some injuries. Um, yeah. But, you know, if, if I look at where I stand, like, I'm, you know, upper a fifth and three points. I'm 11th in total points. Like, that that hurts. I, I like, I didn't expect that. Like, I expected this team to be near the top in, in points. So, you know, obviously missing some of those guys. Um, you know, hurt. You know, I'm I'm fifth in assists, uh, steals. I'm like mid eighth. I'm first in blocks, right? And you know, fourth in total rebounds. So it's good, right? But then I look at my percentages: ninth in free throw, which I think it will go up. But my field goal percentage: forty-four point six eight percent. The eleventh place team is forty-six percent, and it's like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> And I mean, I guess that's pretty much like that's a lot of it is Kate Cunningham, right? That's that's Kate Cunningham doing. So, um, yeah, my team is shooting forty five point four eight percent, which is dead last. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and that's that's Trey Young, man. Like, yeah, I wrote that in that piece. Just like the looking at rates sometimes skews things, but when I realized that Trey Young is missing 14 shots a game you just go like of course your percentages are just <laughs> there's no chance when every time he plays he gives you 14 misses yeah yeah no that's rough that's rough and you know like i mean i i would rather have to be near the top in percentages than be near the top in in counting stats right now because you know after a certain point you're not going to really be changing the percentage is too much, right? Once it gets to a certain point. Whereas, um, so that's why I feel a little bit more optimistic about my main event team. Like, I've kind of slipped a few spots, so I'm like middle of the pack now, but I was near the top in the beginning. Um, you know, hopefully I get Siakam back, but I'm like first in field goal percentage. I'm like, I'm basically top three in the percentages. And so, like, I feel really, really good about that, right? Because if I can build this to the point where, you know, you get to the point of the season where, yeah, it's, it's not going to change that much, right? And then, you know, I can just hammer away accounting stats. And since it's a fab league, right, um, you know, extra games here, extra games, you know, a few games here, a few games there, right? Yeah. But, like, you can you can, you can, can do it. So, uh, you know, I feel good. But, yeah, this <laughs> Razjan team, I mean, I probably kibosh myself, right, or schlep rock myself by saying this is one of my favorite teams, right? And it's like, 
it's a, you know, it's not my worst team, which is kind of an indictment of how shitty my draft season was, I guess. But it's, you know, it's it's definitely not one of the better ones, which is kind of just, you know, kind of disheartening to some degree because I thought it was really good. <laughs> I know how much like effort you put in this summer. I mean, you spent the entire off season drafting and doing yeah. projections, and you were talking with with really sharp players, like, you know, if. That's part of what's so challenging about this game. It's part of why I like it so much. Is just like, you know, as soon as you think you've got it figured out, there's more to learn. Uh, yeah, and, you know, definitely. Luck plays a factor in all of it too, and you've got to figure out ways to to mitigate that to make it work. And sometimes it works in your favor, and sometimes it doesn't. You know, the longer that I sit with the disappointment that is this year's Raz Jam team, and I remember last year's Raz Jam team, just like. So many things went well for the group. Yeah. Um, it just, it's not happening that, that way this year. Um, yeah. Or at least yeah. it hasn't started happening yet. Yeah, no, for sure. So, you know, for me, I'm not like, you know, I'm not really down or anything, you know, just because I, you know, I, th- I, th- I thought the process, it's not where I want it to be, but, you know, I know that it was better than before. Right. So I think I made some strides in the process and, you know, already, you know, even after, you know, a week or two into the season, like I started to realize certain things or there's some things that I knew that I wanted to do for next year. So I was already like kind of amped for, you know, the off season, like for, for prepping, because I think there's some things that I want to do. And I think I think my process for next year is going to be a lot tighter this year. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's encouraging. So, but, you know, like you said, injuries here, injuries there, right. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that are out of our control. So all we can control is, you know, our process and stuff like that. So like, I'm not, I'm not down at the results, but, um, you know, at the same time, there's definitely things to learn from it, right? Like there's things that, uh, we can do better. So hopefully, uh, you know, by talking about things or just, things that we see you know hopefully that can help our process and and help our preparation for next year right so um in a way you know it's funny right because when we first started this this pod i really didn't know what direction it was going to be or you know what the hell we were going to do um but where i'm sitting right now like i think i think that's kind of like what the the general theme i want to be right like you know, what are things that we see, whether it be good or bad, that can kind of, uh, you know, help us to learn or help us to, to grow or help us to add to our process, right? And, um, you know, I, I mean, I think the past few weeks, right, we've been we've been able to identify certain things, right, which, uh, which in theory should help us, <laughs> right? So well, whether we, you know, apply it or execute it, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm encouraged that you think that we're figuring things out, you know, but. I think so. <laughs> Jury is still out on my end, but uh, it's good. No, I'm, I'm really, um, I'm excited about where this goes from here. It, it feels good getting into getting um, really granular with stuff like that, that Hawks piece was. Uh, it felt good to sort of get into like what is actually going on here and having a yeah. better understanding. Yeah. Um, well, you know what I've noticed from you is like 
you know, I think from day one, I always knew that you were a really good writer, right? I mean, because that's pretty professionally, you're like a professional writer, editor and stuff like that, right? But I think your, your fantasy basketball kind of evolution, uh, like it's been fun to see, you know, like because, you know, a, like now, you know, you're breaking down like, you know, where the shot chart. You know where guys are shooting from or you know things like that like those those are things that we never you know you know we never talked about early on right or, or you yeah. never wrote about right so like yeah you're definitely like digging more into the weeds and um trying to just unearth and, and mine stuff uh which is good right like it's just uh you know anytime you can find stuff or uh you know, just try to unearth as much information as you can. I think, uh, I think I was talking to Jeneki once and, uh, he was talking about, I guess, like listening to pods, right? And so, like, there's certain people that really annoy him, but he will, you know, listen to them or read them. And his rationale was, you know, most of the shit is bullshit, right? But if there's that one thing, that 1% thing, that I can get from it and it helps yeah. me, then it's all worth it. Right. And you know, that's true. Right. That's true. Like sometimes I guess, you know, too much information can paralyze, but at the same time, you know, if you kind of know what you're looking for, know how to filter things out, um, you know, if you can mind that one, you know, that one piece, then, you know, it's golden, you know, and, you know, like, uh, you know, like Bobo, right? Like the only reason why, you know, I took a shot on him in main event, you know, after the fab period was one, you know, I needed blocks, right? But, you know, there's a lot of different guys with, with blocks, you know, that I could have gotten blocks for, right? But I just remember, you know, reading some articles, right, in the off season where, you know, Terrence Ross was like, this guy's amazing. You know, he's a freak. And then, you know, coaches, you know, and then they started, you know, the beat writers were talking about like they're running big lineups and, you know, like, but when I was reading it, I was like, I just thought it was a fucking joke, right? It was just like a, a novelty, but it, it kind of just still stuck in my brain, right? So I'm like, well, if they're talking about it. They're like, maybe, you know, I don't know, it's worth $1 or whatever, $2 or whatever I spent, right? And then you see, but, you know, like it, if I would have never, you know, read that stuff, I would have never, you know, I never, I never would have picked them up. Right. So I guess it's just, you know, that one thing you read one article or you hear one thing from a pod or, right. Um, you know, like who, like who knows, like somebody's listening to this pod and they hear that, you know, your breakdown of Jalen Smith and, you know, where he's shooting his corner threes from. And, you know, so maybe that one little piece of information is like, yo, you know, that's true. Right. Like he's just not converting, but, those are the good shots and that's the place you want to go. So, all right, I'm going to hold on to them. Right. You know, so yeah. So yeah, I don't, man, I'm just so I'm rambling today. So my bad, Joe, <laughs> go. It's funny though, that like, um, without the video component of this, it's just, uh, it's, it's very extemporaneous, you know, it's like, all right, well, this is, this is the thing that has popped into my brain at this moment. Um, but you know, we have, we have all these different notes and ideas and things that we want to talk about. And I think for me, the conversation about like, what are the things that we're learning is also valuable. 
Yeah. Um, and it was a thing that I had in mind for like a a future podcast, okay. um, maybe even a future future article. But the thing that has been really valuable for me this year is playing in different types of leagues, and it's revealing different kinds of value to me. So like this, this 30 team deep or this 30 deep dynasty salary cap, there should be qualifiers on that league. Um, is the first time I ever played in a league of that size. And I really didn't know what a good team looked like for that, you know, because it's a, it's daily transactions. So the thought of like, if you had a bunch, if you had 13 guys who all played, you could volume your way into success rather than drafting a star or whatever. Um, and that was sort of the path that I, that I ended up taking was, you know, I got a lot of guys that just like are getting minutes only, only a handful of, of like younger players that aren't. And I actually feel okay about that. Like I think the Alexander Walker will play at some point this year. It, it makes sense to me that he's not playing now, uh, but I think that's coming. But one of the things that I'm learning about playing in that, you know, in a league A that size and B with, you know, this dynasty component is like, you really should know what your timeline is. Uh, or I wish we knew what my timeline was while I was drafting. You know, because my first pick, the first person that I rostered was Scotty Barnes. I paid $57 of a $200 salary cap for him. It was a really... It was a much bigger decision than what I gave it credit for at the time. Of like, that is my time. Barnes is like the 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 mover of all of this, and the pieces that surround him should be sort of working in this similar on a similar speed or a similar pace. And now that we're in season, and like Barnes is having a kind of a slow start, he's kind. Taking a while to warm up here. Yeah. Um, you know, the minutes are there, but the scoring hasn't really leapt forward. Um, you know, the the there's this well-rounded game that's supposed to be there, but he's averaging less than one steal and one block per game. You're like, well, I thought he was gonna be this thing, and in reality, he's like a 21-year-old second-year player. Like, and you give him a minute to get it all figured out. Um but yeah. hold on, before you, you know, continue. On that, uh, Scotty Bonnet, like, because, you know, he, like, had an ankle injury, he had some injuries, right? So do you think that's, you know, the reason for for this, or do you think there's something uh, deeper than that? I think it could be a factor. It's just, like, he didn't, you know, he I know they did get a little bit of an off season because I saw a lot of those, like, uh, hype videos that he was putting out. I saw him playing in Utah and all that. Yeah. Um, I do think the ankle injury, of course, doesn't help. I also think that, like, he's not a surprise anymore. You know, it wasn't, he's not sneaking up on anybody. He's on scouting reports as like, this is a big part of what Toronto's doing. And, um, I think that's, that is a component of it too. And just, you know, the NBA is a really, really hard league, you know, and like, you're going to have to keep on adding and keep on figuring things out and keep on like countering counters, um, because no one's going to let you just walk into this because, you were rookie of the year because uh, 
because Joel thinks that you're a great player, you know, like, because the, <laughs> because the Raptors wouldn't trade him for Kevin Durant. Like none of it actually matters when Kevin plays. So, so that's what I think is going on with Scotty. And, um, yeah, I just wish I'd been a little bit more thoughtful about like, this is, you know, 29% of my budget. Yeah. Everything should be in service of that 29%. Um, and so, but they're like, you know, I've never, I'd never drafted in a league that deep. I thought that this team would be better than it, where it was. And so some of the buys that I've made um, make more sense to me. Uh, it made sense at the time, do not make sense now. But I think being able to think about player trajectory over a longer term um, is really valuable because, you know, the we keep them talking to stepping in the same bear trap of like it's a young player with upside let's go get him yeah and what i'm learning playing these dynasty leagues is like it just takes a lot of time you know i'm in along with this 30 team i'm in a a 14 team which is just like a now i'm not tank like there just is no the the goal here is to be terrible and to get victor and (laughs) go for the drafted uh i had the first pick in the rookie draft this year and I drafted Chet because, like, it wouldn't help. Yeah. It wasn't going to help win games this year. That's the whole deal. And so I'm holding guys like Dyson Daniels and Quentin Grimes and Mobley and Barnes and Jaden McDaniels. And, like, there's reason to be excited about all of these players, I think. But they're so far away from being useful guys to help you win a league, you know? The, yeah. The, the season that you got from Scotty Barnes last year was such a gift. That shit does not have to happen all the time with a young player. And so being able to really internalize them is a, is a valuable thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I did a piece a few years ago kind of looking back at the his, history of rookies for fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's not that good. I, I probably should have pulled it up, but I didn't. Um you know, the, the numbers aren't that great in terms of like how many top 100 players, uh, you know, rookies have, you know, in there. So I think, I feel like the last few years, especially with, you know, performances like Scotty Barnes, right? Where did he end up? Like top 50, top 60 around there? Something like that? Well, like 65. Yeah. yeah. So, right. Um, and then, you know, you got Paolo, you know, balling out. So, uh, yeah, but there's always been rookie hype, but I feel like the rookie hype has gone a little bit more heightened, you know, recently. Um, sure. But, you know, I think that's, you know, in our, our show notes, you know, we kind of wanted to talk on a lot of these rookies, right? Because uh, more often than not, they they do not end up being top 100 players, right? Yeah. So, like, um, so, you know, the probabilities of, um, you know, them finishing the top 100 are low, and so basically it's, you know, it's probably, you know, plus EV to kind of fade them, right? Like if you faded, you know, Jalen Smith, you know, I'm not Jalen I'm sorry, Jabari Smith, right? Possibly Keegan Murray. And then, you know, kind of has got us thinking like, you know, obviously if you're going to go into a situation where like you're going to be the guy and you're going to garner all a ton of usage, then that definitely helps your prospects for being a really good fantasy player, a la Paolo Banchero, right? But if you're a dude like Jabari Smith that 
probably not going to be a high usage guy. And I think that was pretty, pretty, uh, you know, evidently known going into it. Like you figured Kevin yeah, Porter Jr., yeah, Jalen Green, right? We're going to get the stuff. Um, you know, even Keegan Murray, he's, you know, third, right? Third on the total pole, off on the total pole. And, you know, and then there's also factors in like the coach, right? Like, does the coach like to play rookies? Is he going to give him time, right? Like Tari Eason, right? And, uh, Mark, you know, Mark Williams, you know, like those type of players. So, uh, I think, you know, definitely have to, it's hard to place a bet on outlier scenarios, I guess. Um, if they happen, you know, they happen, they're a gift, right? And, but to, I guess, you know, it goes back to a prior conversation we had early on. It's like, you just don't want to be paying for ceiling, right? If ceiling comes, and I, I, I guess this ties into like the Wong Jenneke theory. Like you want to draft a player who can exceed their ADP by a few rounds, right? But if you're paying for the ceiling, right, then like, you know, the probabilities of them achieving that are, are low. And then, I mean, there's the room is to the downside, right? So then what's the point, right? And um, I know I get caught up into this too, like sometimes like, uh, you identify a player and then you become so, you know, attached to them that it's like, you know, basically I need to get this player. I need to get this player. But, um, you know, I, I think I've gotten better with this, like in terms of tiering, you know, things like that. And, but, you know, there are times where it's just like you kind of get, get the blinders on. You get so tunnel visioned that, uh, you know, you just focus on that one. Whereas, you know, you could get a guy maybe, you know, two or three rounds later. Yeah, he's maybe not as shiny or doesn't have the upside, but like, are the stats going to be that much different? No, nah. <laughs> you know, usually not, right? And right, so, you know, all that stuff, I guess it's just, you know, the, the process, right? You know, it, it's all about the process. Well, yeah, right? you, don't get, you don't get bonus points for being like right on a guy. You right, know? exactly. Uh, and, you know, I feel like I feel like this is going to be another tuition year. Speaking of you know, dredging up past conversations, you know that felt like that first season at Rasball for me was a lot of just like learning, um, and then there was some success that followed. And I think this is we're back into like a learning part of the loop for me because yeah, you know I'm looking at some of these disappointing teams that put together. Um, there's, it's too young. It's a, it's a team full of guys that like would love to have been right. Like this writers league team, which is terrible. Um, we drafted Lamelo, yeah. Keegan Murray, and Shengun, Halliburton, and Cade Cunningham, and like one of those guys is having a good year. Yeah, this There's is two of them and doing that. Well, you thought you thought you know? it was a dynasty league, Joe? You thought it was a dynasty league? What's that? <laughs> what I was doing, man, and. <laughs> You know what? It's funny because, like, there was, a, there was a, a, a real attempt at a punt field goal build, yeah. and all of my all of my punt teams are terrible. Like, hmm. it's so funny to me that the teams that I, you know, you and I were talking about this RCL that I drafted, yeah. and afterwards, I was just pissed. I was like, man, I just drafted a really <laughs> bad team. It doesn't make any sense. Through my first three picks do not complement each other in any serious way. Like, right. what is going on here? And that's like by far 
the most successful 12 team team <laughs> this year. It, um, it usually works out like that. It was, it was, it was sort of a return to say, well, I'm just going to draft the guys that I think are good instead of drafting guys that I think are going to fit a build. And you know, the, the upshot is that I need to, I need to work on like balancing how you punt. Yeah. Um, when you're like looking for specific things, but not so much that you're, you're not drafting guys that have, that have value at that spot. Um, so it's, it's definitely going to be a learning process. I mean, this year is going to be a lot of like, there are lessons that can be gleaned from this. Yeah. If I'm smart enough and diligent enough to like do the work, but it's mm-hmm. nice, man. There's, there's a lot of things, uh, you know, yeah, there's a lot there and there's, um, I want to respond on, on, on a couple of them. First one is, um, we're always paying tuition, Joel. Like we're always going to be learning something, you know, and this is something that I learned from trading, you know, so, you know, I, I mean, I traded my own account for over a decade, right? And yeah. um, it's like I, I paid a lot of fucking tuition, right? And the thing is, is um, you're always going to learn, right? Because even though a situation may be similar, it's never going to be exactly the same, right? So like a minute difference, right, is going to you know, force you to learn something new. And like the matrix is always changing, right? Especially for, I mean, sports, right? Because there's new players coming in, right? The player pool is always changing, morphing. Mm-hmm. You know, the league, they change rules, right? Styles are changing, right? Like the Warriors, they change, you know, they opened up three-point shooting, right? That just kind of just totally changed the whole game, basically, right? So, you know, it's, it's always going to be morphing. It's always going to be stuff to learn. And then, you know, we're always going to be paying for shit. And um, in a way, it's kind of, it's very humbling, can be depressing, <laughs> but at the same time, exciting at the same time, right? Because, um, you know, the, the challenge and then, you know, you always just kind of have to hunt for edges and uh, just, you know, try to improve and, and things like that. And so, um, yeah, man, we're always going to be, we're going to be paying tuition for, you know, for as long as we play this game. I'm pretty sure on that. Uh, the second thing I wanted to kind of talk about was like, um, I had a conversation with somebody, uh, maybe, you know, a few weeks ago and, you know, about head to head leagues and punting and, and stuff like that. And I think he was kind of like where you're at, where he was like, you know, like I did all these punt stuff, but then, you know, now, like, I just want to go back to like, kind of just getting, you know, value, getting the best players. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, right, um, it's about the players that you pick, right? Like, at the end of the day, right, I mean, you have to get the guys, you know, get lucky enough where they don't get injured or, you know, they perform up to expectations and things like that. I think I think the dangerous thing about, about like, well, in particular, like, choosing, you know, should I f- develop a punch strategy or should I just go for value? I mean, basically, like, they are all, they're both strategies, right? So I think the danger that a lot of people get into is that they will try one thing and then because it didn't work, then they'll be like, yeah, I'm not feeling this. I don't like it. So like, and, and then they keep kind of chasing their tail and they keep searching for, you know, that, that thing that, that they feel is the most successful, right? Maybe, maybe I'm naive or maybe my perspective is wrong here, but I feel like, 
I'm not sure that's the right way to go about it. And and I don't know, you know, take my words for a grain of salt because it's not like I'm out there winning main events and, you know, winning every league because I'm not, right? But, I, you know, I just feel like, um, I just feel like the, the, the way to do it is you have to have like your overall vision and strategy. And then, and then once you have that down, then, then it'll take you down the right path. Right. Whereas if you're just kind of just going out there, like, all right, you know, the shotgun approach, let me try this. Let me try that. Let me try this. Like, you're just going to keep chasing your tail. I feel like, right. Because, you know, because you're going to base your stuff on such a small sample size, right? You're like, well, I won this one league because of this strategy. So that means that's the right way. But no, like, it, it doesn't mean that, right? Like you could have just been very lucky, right? Like there could have been a confluence of factors that would have brought that result. And like, you know, I think one of the rotor were, you know, the rotor were guy, like he, you know, he has a perfect shirt for it. And it, I think this is more from like, you know, the guys that play fantasy baseball, but you know, a lot of things are like, it's process over results, right? Because results are dependent upon so many variables and so many things that are out of your control, right? But like, you cannot focus on results because you have no control over results, right? And then at the same time, like, yes, you can glean some stuff from results, but at the same time, you shouldn't put too much emphasis on the results, right? So I think more of the the energy uh, should be focused on the process, right? And so that's why, like, especially, like, for this year especially, I think from head-to-head -head especially, I think my process was a lot more defined and better. And granted, some of my results haven't been there. But, for example, like, you know, sometimes it's just bad luck, right? Kyrie Irving gets suspended, right? Bradley Beal gets hurt, you know, like, in my writer's league, I mean, I basically punted big men, right? And I went all, you know, you know, Damian Lillard was hurt. So I went all guards. But if I'm losing my, you know, two guys there, like, you know, that's going to be tough, right? Because my strategy is so dependent on those those guard stats. Like, if I don't get those guard stats, then I'm, I'm basically fucked, right? Because I'm not competing in, in, in the big man stats, right? But that's like the, you know, that's kind of the quote-unquote danger of you know certain punch strategies right because if you don't win the stats you're supposed to win then you're really fucked <laughs> but you know but like then you have no control over that that's just luck right? injury luck and things like that but to me i'm like okay you know I, I my process i built the team how i wanted to build it right so then you know as season comes and then I can look at it and then, you know, I'll probably try to dissect some teams and be like, okay, I thought my process is good, but how can I make it better? Or, you know, what can I identify or what, you know, what could I have changed and things like that? And, um, you know, like there's another team, a bunch of other teams I want, you know, the big man punt, the full cycle punt, big man. Um, and, you know, those teams, I'm, you know, a lot of them I'm losing four to five, uh, you know, but, the if the goal going into it was just to win five four, and my swing category was steals. But you know, Thibault didn't play in the beginning. <laughs> you know, he was a big guy that I counted on. You know, Caruso and you know, like so. There's certain guys like that, you know, didn't perform up to expectations. So you know, 
the, the swing category or the swing stat or category that I was looking for. And, you know, and it's tough, right? Because steals in of itself are a very variable uh, category, right? So, um, so that's tough. So my process going into, I felt like was good, but there's, you know, certain things that, you know, maybe the results weren't there for whatever reason. So, so, you know, after everything going through all the leagues and stuff like that, like there's definitely things to learn. Right. And, um, then the goal is to, I guess, make the process, uh, better for the following year. Right. So, you know, at, at least my early takeaways now is, you know, maybe I shouldn't go so cycle because, you know, it's just, you need so much to go right. And, you know, in terms of the strategy. So, um, you know, maybe give a little leeway, you know, rather than punting four cats, you know, maybe you know, pair down to two, you know, at least the ones that correlate, you know, if you're going to pump big men, you know, right. Like rebounds blocks, right. Maybe free throw percentage three. Right. But, uh, so, you know, anyways, there's, there's a lot of things to learn, but, you know, I guess the point of where I was trying to get to, I guess, was like, um, and I truly believe this in, I think, most aspects of life, not just fantasy, right? But, like, there's no, you know, like, for a lot of times in my life, like, I was always looking for that cookie-cutter answer or whatever, right? And, I mean, you probably laughed at this one, but, you know, when I was a little kid, like, you know, like, how do I get girls, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, like, you know, like, yeah, right? Like, so, you know, try to read books or whatever, talk to people and be like, yeah, you know, like, and, I, and, you know, when I was little, I was like, all right, so what's the, I was looking for the script, right? Like, like, what do I say? If they say this, then how do I respond? Right. And so a lot of things like, you know, not just with picking up girls, but like, you know, other aspects in life, like, you know, I spent a lot of my time trying to do it like that. But then I realized like, you know, that's the wrong way to go about things, right? Because there's there's, you know, not only are there so many variables in this world, right, but, you know, so much shit is out of control, but, I mean, there's no one one way, right? I mean, there's millions of different perspectives, millions of different styles, right? And, you know, any style can work as long as you execute it well, right? Like, you know, for fantasy, like, any style can work if you get lucky or if you guys outperform or, you know, like, if you execute your vision you know perfectly right like any style can work right and you know so um it's just yeah i i, I mean I, I keep coming back to this but i think it's such a simple yet poignant concept but yeah no process you know process over results right just focus on the process and then if eventually um eventually the work will come uh, the results will come you know i guess it's kind of like yeah. you know like you know, trying to get into shape or whatever, going to the gym or whatnot, you know, it's yeah, a positive it thing in your life. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, I know what you mean, man. I, I definitely, I think, you know, in the, in my early days of like reading Rasball and really only playing in one fantasy league and wanting to win it. Yeah. Um, my strategy was yes. like, well, I'm reading Sun or something. So I'll just use the information advantage that I have to like be ahead of the curve on pickups or whatever. And uh, to your credit, 
that's a that was effective way to beat those eleven guys. Like they just they weren't really as plugged in. They weren't they weren't reading raspberries, so they weren't getting the insights that I was getting. And that was the the strategy, if you can call it as much, um, for winning that league was uh, list, knowing which guy to listen to, um, which is not really a strategy. And now that I'm in this I'm in this space where not only are am I competing against other people that read you or write alongside you or are more successful than you and I, uh, you're going to have to start figuring out how it is. I need to start figuring out. I'll take the second person off of that and just like live in the, in the in the reality of the first person here. I am going to need to start figuring out like how it is that I like to try to win these things. There you you go. know, it's yeah. got to be ownership of strategy here which again like sort of thinking about this this 30 team league where i built the you know scotty barnes is the rock upon which i'm building my church you know (laughs) yeah Um, hallelujah it's i think it's i think it's a really uh useful endeavor to start thinking about like how what are the what are the kinds of ways you can build a team around a player or a group of players like that um, over a three, four, five-year period of time, um, you know, because like with a guy like Barnes, like his prime is like five years away. <laughs> yeah. Like there's there's a lot of time to get this thing squared away, and if I do it intelligently, it could be successful. But um, you know, you can only learn by, or you can learn a lot of ways. For me, for many people. The best way to learn is by doing it. And so I did my first one of these this summer. And I think it was a really instructive thing. I think I would do things differently if given the opportunity to do it again. But I am very excited about getting to to sort of refinagle this thing and and change things on the fly and try to try to get the sort of pieces lined up in a more appropriate way than where they currently are now. It's fun. It's a it's a good league. It's a good game we play. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you know, this is why we play, right? For the love of the game. Um, yeah, you know, just like you, like when I first expanded the, uh, you know, not not the, not the repertoire, but you know, the different types of leagues. Like, yeah, once you go out of like, you know, the normal standard leagues, like it just opens up a whole different world, right? And then, and then from there, it just kind of snowballs. And uh, yeah, it's great. You know, it's. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how you reconfigure, you know, your squad or, or you know, how you how you approach it. Because I remember our first conversations when, you know, after you drafted him, right? And I remember like kind of like your your thought process into it. So I'm curious to see uh, you know, how <laughs> how you take it from here. Me too. <laughs> Me too, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> we'll be good though, man. It's I think it's all. I think I'm ready in a good. A good space for it, but yeah, you know, I just didn't know, I didn't know what a good team looked like. And yeah. then I think it was a couple weeks ago where I, I told you that I had a moment of clarity where I understood that this team won't win this year, and that is won't. It's, and that's a function of like, well, the most expensive player is 21 years old. They're not supposed to win this year, uh, but I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't quite. Uh, where I, I knew that uh, sort of on a surface level, but. I, I, the 
message is sinking in deeper now. It's like, that's not what this kind of dynasty format is about. So, yeah, uh, you, you know what? Yeah, we'll see what. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What was it? That, uh, I reached the end of my point. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, I was uh, going into the league or after the draft. Um, I was very curious to see, you know, who is going to be able to um, identify the pass or the best pass to exploiting the salary cap um, sure. and just free agency, all that stuff. And, like, it's been really interesting to see some of those teams, especially, you know, Rio. Um, wow. You know, like, he got a bunch of picks, opened up a lot of cap space, and then basically... Um, you know, he's I in twenty twenty five, right? So three years out when basically a lot of teams are gonna be you know, the contracts expire if they don't you know, if they don't uh, re up them, right? So um, you know, not only is he gonna have a ton of picks, a ton of cap room, um, but you know, he's probably gonna be in a really good position to you know, get the guys at the top of that, that player pool. So, you know, it's really cool to see him kind of maneuver around and position himself uh, three years out. You know, it's like, fuck, three years out, shit. Um, okay, so. I'm, glad, I'm really glad that there's a finite amount of players that you can roster because he's got a million guys. Yeah. And I would love to get some of these people back in rotation. Yeah, I think yeah, he's got no. a full, like, truly full roster right now. Yeah, and he, yeah, he's he, you know he did it right, right? He's uh, you know taking everything to the limit. So um, yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to see how it works out. But I'm I'm loving the salary cap. You know, I I just it's definitely an interesting wrinkle. It yeah. really is. Uh, I, I don't know, um, but. Um, I'm excited about the next couple of years about like how I think after that first the first wave of contracts come off the books, mm. it will be like a complete not a complete, but it will be a, a massive like reshuffling what this thing looks like. Yeah. Because definitely. You know, I mean I did it and the majority of the people in this league did it too. Um, because I had two hundred dollars to spend, felt obliged to spend all of it. Yeah. Um, and I did. And it's just, you know, there's gonna be a next, there's gonna be a next wave, next wave, next wave, and like, you know, you're, you're doing this draft, you're drafting, you know, five hundred players or whatever you ended up drafting, and and you feel like you gotta get the pieces of all of them because like once they're gone, they're gone. But like. It seemed to the information just like fell out of my head of like you know they bring in like sixty new guys every year. Right, right, right. So I'm excited to like see things kind of turn over and all of these these initial assessments and the initial conditions of players kind of get reworked once uh, once you're you know allowed to to relinquish these players or. Not yeah, no, for, for sure. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, you know, I, yeah, I like the contracts too, you know, because like the other dynasty league that we have is, uh, you know, basically once you have a guy, you have him forever. And, 
you know, on one level, you know, that's cool, I guess. But on the other level, I mean, it just gets very stale, right? After a while, right? Like, you know, like no one's ever trading Luca, right? So, like, Luca's gonna be on that team forever, and you know, and you know, so, yeah, if you have Luca, it's cool. And then, you know, I guess it's, you know, some sort of like I don't know commonality, but I do like how the salary cup is structured right now because, like, you could keep a guy for seven years, which is great. Right, but um, at some point, you know, like the, the construction of teams and the league in general, like it's gonna keep evolving, right? Keep morphing, and you know, like rarely, like even in real life NBA, rarely do teams or rarely do players stay with one team all the time, anyways, right? So, um, yeah, it just, yeah, it just, yeah, I just like how the setup, the structure is more interesting to me and. You know, I think, uh, you know, anytime there's more movement with, uh, you know, it, the salary cap, I mean, it, it enforces trades automatically, which I love too, right? So, um, yeah, no, anyways, I'm looking forward to it. But, all right, let, let, let's cut this off, man. It was, uh, you know, we had so many show notes today. Uh, we didn't get to them. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to them next time. But I actually... This has been one of my, you know, more fun pods, right? Because we're just, it's more, uh, I guess, more process related. You know, we're just kind of just uh, focusing on, I guess, some mistakes, right? Like things that like we've seen that maybe we can get better at, you know, so. Uh, For sure. Yeah. You know, so we feel obliged that we talk about Jordan Goodwin because I don't think he'll be newsworthy next week yeah, yeah let's just go for it he, he and i share an alma mater both billikens um so th- there's like the the long list of successful billikens is like um larry hughes and anthony bonner and jordan goodwin so we're yeah. we're gonna do okay we're gonna do a, just a quick hit on goodwin because okay. i he's someone whose career i've i've known or i've been following since uh, you know he was an 18, 19 year old, um, he's getting good run right now yeah. in Washington. Obviously, uh, Beal's been out with um, with COVID again, and Delon Wright is uh, got a bad hamstring. So an opportunity has has opened up for Jordan Goodwin, and he's really made the most of it. Um, so he, like I said, he's a Abilikin, he played four years at St. Louis. He ended his career as the all-time school leader in steals. Um, and a lot of what he was doing at St. Louis is what he's ended up doing in the pros. Um, he rebounds really, really well for a guard. Um, he would sort of, I can't remember what the note was that I made of it, but, uh, yeah, as a as a senior, he averaged a double double uh, in points and rebounds as a guard. Uh, he's really physical. He's very competitive. Uh, Josh Robbins at the Athletic wrote a really nice piece about just guys praising his motor. Um, his first team all defense twice, first team all conference twice. Um, averaged 15, six, and three in the G League. Um, and that's what he's doing here with the with the Wizards. It's not a ton of scoring, but the defensive stats are really solid. 
the out of position rebounding is great. You'll get some dimes for you too, playing um, as a guard. I don't think it's going to last forever. I think once Beal's back, sort of the curtain may close. But you know, he's he's definitely popping right now. And as a guy who's just been aware of who Jordan Goodwin is for the last like six years. It's it's exciting. <laughs> He's having this moment in the sun. No, that's awesome. No, I'm I'm glad you you know dedicate some space to him. You know, shout out, uh, shout out to your alma mater, right? So, um, I've been impressed with him from what I've seen, uh, and everything that I've read, because uh, you know he plays D, takes care of the ball, um, like mm-hmm. his teammates and the coaching staff, they love his toughness. So, um, yeah, I agree. This the playing time. Uh, it's going to be tough. Like, I don't even know if he, you know, they may send it back down, right? He's on a two-way. Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. So they might send it back down when, uh, you know, the team gets healthy. But, uh, you know, he's the type of guy, like, he could play his way into a roster spot. You know, maybe it's not on the Wizards. Maybe it's on a different team. But um, I, I do like, you know, the things that I've seen from him. You know, granted, I haven't watched too much of him, but, you know, highlights here and there. So, yeah, man. No, I'm I'm a good one fan. I'm a good one fan. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's good to see. It's good to see a Billiken driving. There aren't there aren't many of us that are uh, that are getting a lot of prominence. So I remember you guys made a pretty significant tourney run uh, a while ago, right? Um, it's a good program. You yeah. know, when I was when I was there, um, was when they brought in Rick Majerus, and that was when things really turned around. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, you know, he, he did not stay with the program very long. He didn't stay with us very long in general. Um, but they made a good hire with Travis Ford and, uh, you know, I, I watch very, very little college basketball. Finding a Billiken basketball game on television is a hard thing to do. Right. Um, so I don't feel connected to the program, but, um, they, they've got, they have turned out some pretty tough, competitive, defensive-minded teams. Um, the fact that Jordan Goodwin is like the the sort of product of that makes yeah. a lot of sense because yeah. that's really what the program has been like. No, awesome. Awesome. Shout out Billikens. Shout out Joel. Shout out to Billikens. That's right. Do you have anything that you want to – I know like, we have all these notes. It's been an hour. We can we can wrap, but um, I wanted to get that one in before, before it withered on the vine. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Um, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. I think, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I always love, uh, you know, kind of just, uh, I have freestyling in a way, you know, like, I mean, structure is good, right? So, you know, we had our, our show planned out kind of, but, uh, so I don't know. I apologize for kind of, I guess, taking it off, uh, off the beaten path. Um, but I do like kind of riffing just off the top of our domes. Right. Because I think a lot of times like uh, some things come out that we weren't maybe thinking about, you know, prior or, um, you know, just I feel like sometimes uh, like good insight comes out from those type of kind of sessions or whatnot. But I don't know why. Well, I guess we'll, we'll see when I uh, re-listen to this. And then, you know, maybe I'll have, <laughs> maybe I'll be singing a different tune. <laughs> but uh, no. I'll be back on the schedule, you know. <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, it's uh, we'll you know, start, it's, start it's next week. Yeah, it's always uh enjoyable talking hoops with you, Joel. Thank you very much for uh, you know, taking out the time and uh, you know, hopefully we, you know, hopefully we did 
uh, say some things, you know, that could be a benefit to some people. So it was a very modest goal. I hope we hit it too. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I'll, we'll see you next week. Hopefully, uh, fewer technical issues then. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Take it easy, Joel. Likewise. See ya.